welcome back to the Landscape Nerd Podcast. This show takes a nerdy lens into the environment that is built around us. My name is Macy Nelson. I am a nerdy neurodivergent designer and writer who is located in Cleveland, Ohio. I studied landscape architecture in school, and when I was done, I still had so many questions. And these questions weren't just about how something got built. It was why did it get built? What's the story behind it? What are the social issues behind it? There's definitely some injustices happening. What are you hiding? That's sort of the approach I was taking. But I was also having so much fun researching and finding these stories that I just think needed to be told. And so now you have to listen through that. But I promise we're going to have fun and we're going to learn a lot. I like to say that if you've ever been outside, then we have something to talk about. Because whether you know it or not, your whole outdoor experience was created by other people and systems that that came together. Whether it's your favorite park or your grandmother's garden or your walk to school or work, the space around you was designed and built by others. And I think you should be one of the people who has a say in that. This podcast is meant to be a free resource for all, and that includes the research that I use. So if I'm researching a topic for the show, I try to use only free resources, meaning things that have come from the public library or from Google Scholar. And if it's something that's not free, I let you know, and then hopefully that way you can decide whether or not it's worth it to you. There is accessible information out there, and there are other people who want to bring these resources straight to you. So that way it's a resource for anyone who's interested in how the world works around them, but also for other students of landscape architecture, because there's only so much you can learn in a classroom. And I hope that my work helps bridge the gap a little bit about what questions you have beyond the profession that are still impacted by the profession. This episode is going to focus on American issues with outdoor recreation, things that happen within the continental U.S. And I think it's also important to note that since that is the topic, we are going to address issues of police brutality and violence. And so if that makes you uncomfortable, this is a content warning. Please feel free to skip this episode. We don't linger on the topic very long, but we do acknowledge it. And I think it's really important because we have to acknowledge the risks and realities of being in outdoor spaces outdoor recreation bring a lot of joy to ourselves, our community members. They are also public spaces where it doesn't always feel safe. And there is a lot of unknown because there isn't a lot of history to support knowing these types of spaces and these types of activities. So we have to investigate the good side and the bad side in order to bring this kind of joy to everyone and make these spaces accessible. That being said, we are going to start investigating right now. To improve my own mental and physical health, I've been outside a lot more. I've been going on a lot more hikes by myself. But I started to notice that as a woman of color, I did not look like a lot of the people I saw on the trails. Well, at first I thought it was me, right? Like maybe it was the time of day I was going. Maybe it was where I was going. But as I started to hike and tour around the region, I I didn't think it was just me anymore. So I started to ask the question, why do these outdoor rec spaces or these natural spaces seem to lack diversity? 
Maybe you've asked that question yourself. If so, you're not the only one. In 2014, North Carolina State published an article titled Nature Gap, Why Outdoor Spaces Lack Diversity and Inclusion, written by Emma Galsavez. In that article, the term featured was the nature gap, which refers to research stating that people of color are far less likely to engage in nature-based outdoor recreation activities, with historic discrimination being a large underlying factor. The article further states, people of color tend to have higher unemployment rates and lower income levels, leading to less disposable income to take trips for outdoor recreation. If you're low income, you don't necessarily have vacation time to take trips to state parks and national parks. However, people of color in the middle class who have disposable income and discretionary time may not even choose nature-based vacation. One idea is that if people of color have the same income levels... They will participate in outdoor recreation or visit parks as much as their white counterparts. But this is an Anglo-conformative bias, meaning that it normalizes white Americans' leisure behavior as a benchmark. Moreover, existing empirical studies do not support the idea. That excerpt was an excellent summation of what we are going to talk about today. Because, right, people don't always want to do the same thing. But if people in charge of managing outdoor spaces and programming are upholding this kind of bias that people will quote unquote naturally come to outdoor spaces if they want to, they have no incentive to reach out and diversify their engagement. Another quote from the article says that the underlying rationale for creating parks was the idea of U.S. nationalism to promote the American identity, and the American identity was primarily white, male, and young, which I'll say is the same for almost any built environment. And I'll also add an able-bodied or neurotypical to that description as well, because there are these unsaid biases and definitions about who belongs in outdoor spaces, and it's been the same for a long time. But fortunately, we're starting to see a change in that. Another great article published by CNN titled Outdoor Recreation Has Historically Excluded People of Color, that's beginning to change, written by Leah Asmalash. This article highlights how redlining and Jim Crow laws, a set of laws discriminating against Black people and reinforcing segregation, resulted in a whole generation or two being removed from outdoor recreation spaces, and that takes generations to heal. But as of 2021, when this article was published, there is a movement beginning to increase social belonging and representation of people of color in outdoor spaces. The article lists groups like Black Girls Hike, RBA, Outdoor Afro, or Indigenous Women Hike, and Full Circle Everest Expedition as a part of the social movement to reclaim outdoor rec and the narrative to include people of color. And now I would like to add Black Women Explore to that list as well. Black Women Explore is a local to Northeast Ohio organization with the goal of fostering safe, spaces for femme-identifying minorities to create bonds and have new experiences together in outdoor spaces. It's easy for me to sit here and list groups and even celebrate them, but I acknowledge that the success of these groups is due a lot in part to the hard work and special considerations that address the experiences that people of color have in outdoor spaces. I'm specifically talking about safety. Because while that wonderful outdoors is healing and they should be accessible to everyone, it's not always that simple because it's not always safe. For example, the infamous Central Park bird watching incident, where Amy Cooper called 911 and falsely accused a black bird watcher, Christian Cooper, unrelated, of threatening her and her dog when he asked her to leash her dog, which is a requirement of the park. 
Fortunately, this was not a physically violent interaction, but it could have been, but it was definitely emotionally and publicly violent and was violating and scary. This happened on the same day as George Floyd's murder by the police in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Both crimes raised questions about safety in just existing in outdoor spaces. Then we have the issue of when you are participating in outdoor activities or have an authority or leadership role in outdoor recreation. And now I'm talking about the very viral Montgomery Riverfront Brawl in Alabama, where a riverboat captain asked for a pontoon boat to move. They were unauthorized to dock their boat in a reserve spot, and the boat had been waiting for about 45 minutes for them to move. And at that point, the co-captain, who was a black man, went ahead with police permission to untie the pontoon boat and move it. A few passengers on the pontoon boat, who happened to be white, proceeded to incite a physical altercation, which instantly went viral because onlookers joined in on the fight. And it created a larger than normal scale fight, especially on a river front. And fortunately, no one was seriously injured. And it wasn't filed as a hate crime. But the public seems to agree that there were definitely racial undertones about what a group of people thought would happen to them if they publicly attacked a black man, regardless of his authority and what permission he had behind him. Even with authority, navigating these spaces becomes pretty difficult. This goes to show exactly how much it matters that people of color are involved in outdoor recreational spaces. So today we are speaking with the founders of Black Women Explore, Kimberly Young and Bronwyn Thurman, who will introduce themselves in a moment. But I hope throughout this conversation, you are just as blown away as I am. And I was inspired by their genuine desire to help people get outside and have new experiences. So let's get started. My name is Bronlyn Thurman, and I am a creative community connector and co-founder of Black Women Explore. I'm Kimberly Young. I am not so creative, <laughs> but I do consider myself a community connector and advocate for organizations, people, and spaces in whatever community I serve. And I am proud to be co-founder and co-explorer with Bronlin of Black Women Explore. Let's get into it. Okay, so <laughs> we, so I know the origin story, but just tell us again, how did Black Women Explore come to be? Do you want to start or do you want me to start? Yeah, I guess I can go first. Black Women Explore was just an idea that came to me from um, seeing Black women and people of color enjoying nature during the pandemic. During the pandemic, we everything was shut down. We weren't able to engage the way we were. A lot of people were either at home with their families or if you're single, at home by yourself and you know, just trying to find those ways to get out. And I started to see a lot of people on social media posting that they were out enjoying walks in their neighborhoods or hikes in the park. And it just really resonated with me just like, okay, this is not something that I normally see all the time. So I really enjoy that people are out there doing this. And Bronlin is an avid outdoor person. And I'm like, oh, Bronlin, let's go on a hike together. Let's do this. And we started to it's hike Brittany. together. <laughs> no, <laughs> we started to go on hikes and things together. And that really helped us forge a relationship, a friendship, because we knew each other prior to 
but not in that closeness. So we developed a close bond. And then as I started to see more things on social media of Black and Brown people enjoying the outdoors, came up with an idea. I invited Bronlin out for drinks. <laughs> and Which is how I she could, convinces me. I was going to say, that, that, I, 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 hear it. I hear the manipulation at the <laughs> bottom of a cup. Like, bottom of the please, cup. at the bottom of the cup. Always. But just invited her out and pitched the idea to her because she's been in recreation space for a while. I've done it before with my kids and outside walking and just walking on my own and hiking. And I thought that she would be a great person to help bring this community to life. So I pitched it to her and she couldn't say no because I just came with beverages <laughs> and a beautiful smile. <laughs> what else do you need? Problem. How, yeah, how could you have said no? But yeah, I honestly don't have too much more to add to that, to the way that, that Kim explained the creation of this group. Other than 2020 was such a wild time. Kim said, pandemic, we're stuck in our homes. But also significant racial tensions because of George Floyd. I think we we also saw a lot of organizations, a lot of corporations just, you know, they were, ah, what do we do? How do we support more people, more Black people specifically? And, and I think that it really, the pandemic itself shone a spotlight on, on issues within our health system. It George Floyd really elevated a lot of the the disinvestment and and systemic racism that has flown throughout our community, especially within the outdoor rec space. And we know that national parks were created as a safe haven for the white community. Like that was why they were created. They forcefully removed indigenous communities off of their ancestral land and put them in reservations to create these very pure, quote unquote. Yeah, this like untouched, this pristine un <laughs> nature. Yeah. Because the inner cities were overrun by, by the dirty black and brown people. The outdoors were a space to build characters. Yes, character building was such a big part of the whole movement for the national parks. It was like, you want to be a better person? Go outside, over here specifically. No, not everyday place. You have to go to this special place. And yeah. I think that's so fascinating of that push. But you're right. It was They used the term for all or public, but without addressing those origins, yeah, now there's this big vacuum of space of, okay, what does outdoors mean for Black and Brown communities? When it comes to advertising for the places and spaces, it's like you don't see Black and Brown people represented unless it's during Black History Month or they're trying to start, they're trying to show diversity in the space. But it's we've all lived in this space. So why isn't the space automatically diversified when you are showing it? And that just shows that we don't have a space there until they would like for us to have a space there. Yeah. Yeah. I think that is so true. So I think that Black Women Explore, we created it for a multitude of reasons. But one of those reasons was definitely to, to change that narrative, to push back and say, we belong in outdoor rec as well. Like, this is our space as well. And we can show up and explore and exist and enjoy and heal and build character in nature <laughs> as yes. well. 
they're and reclaiming that bit. Yeah. Right. That. That yes. is such a good way of framing it. We are reclaiming this space mm-hmm. because it's ours as well. And I think that's why that is a portion of why we wanted to create this group and why it's such a visual group, why we pay such attention to having photos of us out exploring and enjoying nature and using social media in the best way possible to push like, hey, we are here. Mm-hmm. You you may not want us to be here, but we are here. Yeah, we make sure that before every hike that we go out, we take a picture and we're like, okay, hey, everyone, smile. It's kind of like a before and after. And when we go out, we're, we're smiling. And after we're still smiling, we might be a little flush and sweaty. <laughs> Rough and tumble. <laughs> but we're still smiling because we're making sure that when we're out there, we're enjoying the time with each other. We're enjoying the space. We're enjoying nature. We take time to pause. We take time to like really look at things. Like if there's mushrooms or an animal, like there's plenty of times where there's deer that just pop up. And it's hard to say that there are some people who haven't really been that close to animals and nature or seeing the fungi really growing organically in nature. That's because a lot of us grew up in inner cities where We were used to just seeing concrete and maybe a tree on the tree lawn, things like that. And the pets that you saw were squirrels and and maybe a bird here or there. That was your nature. And then you saw cats and dogs. But being able to see deer and beavers and possums and things like that. I think Kim is really speaking to that disconnect. We have been, because of this historic systematic removal of Black and brown people from these spaces, we are disconnected. Although Black people have a long history Mm -hmm. tied to agriculture, tied to the land, to stewarding the land, as do most Black and brown people. Uh, But we have been disconnected from these spaces. And so now we have people that that don't really truly understand where our food comes from, don't truly have an understanding of the various animal life and how to interact with animal life and fungi and plants. And we're seeing a rise in people like Black Forager and Love her. other Love her. groups similar, similar to ours who are pushing to educate people about how to engage with nature, how to find food in nature, how to, like we said before, reclaim that space. I think that's a really good point about understanding that there is a disconnect, because I think if you're not conscious of it, what ends up being the story that you tell yourself, or maybe that's being told to you, is that you know what nature is, right? You know what nature is. It's when you went outside, it's the park, it's, yes, the squirrel, it's your dog. But that means you only have this very narrow view. And so what you all are doing and what I see happening too is like expanding what that vision of nature is because it's so small for a lot of people. And I don't think we recognize that. Like we're talking because we're outdoors people, we're landscape people, and there are a lot of those. But as a group, as a community, I don't know if we're talking about the expansive spectrum of what nature means enough. Because if someone thinks I'm getting enough nature, I'm getting, I'm going down the street, I'm going to that park, if I even have one. But then you're like, oh, but what about the like national park that's 20 minutes away rather than 10? That I don't think is being communicated very well to brown and black communities. So my day job is within the kind of community development space. 
And so we could talk about how inner city communities, neighborhoods that are predominantly black and brown are often hotter than mm-hmm. yeah. white. We could get into that. I will. It, it, that's a little bit off topic. <laughs> Let's go on a little, we'll go on a little tangent because that was my final project in grad school was about the heat island effect, specifically ah. in the most diverse neighborhood in Cleveland, which is like this, it's an area called Asia Town. And it just has so many different people, but it's industrial adjacent. So it's all hardscape and they have no public green space in that neighborhood, but it's one of the hottest neighborhoods because of all the hardscapes. Absolutely. We could get into, there's this whole conversation about black people in swimming and how through segregation, black people weren't allowed to be in the same pools as white folks and also tied to our hair and (laughs) relaxers and and then thus more and more people, more and more black people not being able to swim and being on the water is scary. And so water recreation tends to not be. But it's such a big thing that's advertised in recreation and for outdoor spaces. Like in Cleveland, we have the Cuyahoga River and- I used to row in high school, so I would see that. But was I one of the only people of color in that space? Absolutely. And now when it's advertised, still the people who are congregating there, it's very white. And and it is both maybe advertising, but also historical community stories of what being on the river means, what being on the water means. It doesn't mean safety. It doesn't mean fun. So why would I go? (laughs) We have a massive lake in our city called Summit Lake. And at work, we have been working on a project called Reimagining the Civic Commons. And that neighborhood of Summit Lake is a part of that work. And it is a predominantly Black neighborhood. And it is more mixed, I should say. But the people that live closest to the lake are predominantly Black. And at the beginning of this initiative, they stayed far away from the lake because it was a place of danger. You couldn't see the edge of the lake. There were a lot of suicides happening in the lake. I think at one point they pulled a car from the lake. Just, it was a place that people, people stayed far away from it, even though it was a beautiful asset. Also, we could get into pollution and all of that because it was tied to the rubber industry. I won't dive into that piece, but it, it to your point, it, water recreation has often been viewed, especially for those who are in the inner city. I think that the relationship in the South is a little bit different, but you mentioned rowing and I would love yeah. to learn. <laughs> oh yeah, I highly recommend it. And I want to go back, but it's also super expensive because it is a predominantly. Right. And yes. so again, you talk about the economic disparities of exactly. participating in recreation. In- So there are economic disparities there. Things cost more. So you have your free spaces so people can do the free activities like walking and hiking and things like that and biking. But then when it comes to like rowing, kayaking, canoeing, skiing, those things all cost money. And a lot of them, you have to have some form of training or someone to really help you with it if you want to become good at it. And it's an investment. And so I don't think any of those spaces have really figured out that if you want to be inclusive and diversify that space, then you have to take into consideration the income of everyone or make it it affordable for all. But now really it has that exclusivity to it. 
when you can't afford it. If you can't afford it, then that means that it's not for you. That's really how things have been within our world is if you can't afford it, it's not for you. Or you're going to, that you need to work hard in order to get to that level where you can. But we're supposed to be bringing those levels down so that we're inclusive <laughs> and everyone is on the same plateau. But that's not really how it works. <laughs> we're trying to change that narrative. We we did a skiing and we went out skiing. I have never been skiing before. I don't I believe I don't believe Rollin had. So it was like five of us newbies out there skiing. And what we did is we had sponsors who helped us sponsor the skiing because when we start looking at the lessons, it's like lessons and equipment. Oh, $150, $200. It was something like that. And so we got sponsorship for that and we went out and we did it and we had fun. And we actually did meet while we were out skiing an older Black woman. I think she was in like her 80s. She had on the most jazziest ski (laughs) outfit ever. And she's coming down to us and she was like, I love to see you ladies out here. I'm part of a Black ski group. So she told us about her ski group and she had been an instructor she learned from, she taught our instructor that was teaching us. She had been out on those slopes like for the longest. She was like, I was one of the only black and brown people out here. And now she loves seeing more of us taking on that space. So now you have MLK Ski Week where there's all, That's amazing. all of these black and brown people getting together to enjoy that activity, which was not normally what we would see. Absolutely. And that's so... You mentioned sponsors, and I think this is a really critical point of understanding how do people find support for groups like this, like yours, but we can just stick to your story and like, how did you identify who would be a good sponsor or a safe partner? So this, okay, ski, the ski one was a unique situation. So like we personally sponsored some, and then we also had- Anonymous donor. Okay. (laughs) And I was just telling them about like really wanting more people to be able to attend. And we talked about, him and I talked about like how many would be really good. Like we knew that we couldn't. So our group is currently our private Facebook group for Black Women Explorers over 140 women. We knew that we couldn't sponsor 140 women, but what would be a meaningful number to at least pay for ski lessons and pay for the equipment Mm -hmm. for people to try out. And we settled on five because it is such an expensive expensive activity. Yeah. We worked it out with the anonymous donor and we were able to have five slots for people who were interested to just try it out. And I know that after those ski lessons, there was one or two people that were like, oh, I really enjoy this. I would love to do this again. But I also wanted to note, I wanted to circle back to one of Kim's points about affordability. We do talk a lot. I think it's, there are two issues within outdoor recreation. There is the affordability issue for people who are of lower income, but there is a significant population of black and brown folk who are middle-class, who could afford this, who they spend their money on trips. They spend their money on all of that, but they don't see themselves in these spaces. They don't feel comfortable or welcome or feel like they belong in these spaces. And that's why they don't spend their money. So I think that, yes, we need to make sure that this is outdoor rec is more affordable for people. And we also need to understand that there are people who can't afford it, who choose not to because of the lack of welcoming environment. 
Yes. And I can say to that point too, I will say that you do have black and brown people who are going out and traveling. So you'll have like your nomad squad and your black travel movement, all of that, where they're out there and they're enjoying these types of activities in other places where they feel more Mm -hmm. welcome. So horseback riding, going on, you know, water ski excursions and things like that, or jumping into caves and navigating those spaces in other countries but it's because they feel welcome in those spaces. And again, it's from a tourist perspective. Yes, your tourists, the people who are running those excursions are going to be very nice and welcoming and things like that. But it's the fact that you have to go to another country to feel welcome, to enjoy a space and navigate in a space that you can't do in your own home, your own country, because of that racial tension where you just don't feel comfortable. I would, when I used to go out on my walks, I would, Again, I used to say hello to everyone. And that's because I did feel safe there to an extent. Um, but I wanted people to know that I was there in case something were to happen. I'm walking oh. by myself. Hey, how you doing? How you doing? Hey, it's nice out here today. Just random talk like that. So someone would notice me. And it's, you're going to notice there's <laughs> 75 white people <laughs> and 25 black people. You're going to remember someone. Yeah. And I think to that point, that idea of safety with our group, we wanted to make sure that it is both a brave, but also a safe space for Black and Brown women and femme-identifying folks. I say Black, Brown, but Black, Brown, Indigenous, Asian, you know, yeah. the whole of it. Because there, there's, although Black, black people, at least in the Akron area, make up about 30% of our population, we have a mm-hmm. whole host of other communities here. And we want to make sure that we create space for everyone who is a, per- a woman or femme identifying person of color. But when we talk about creating brave and safe spaces, we don't publicly post any of our hikes or our adventures. We do it in our private Facebook group or we do it in our private Instagram group. And we'll post on our Instagram page, like, hey, we're going to be going out on an adventure soon. Let us know if you want to be included. And then people can reach out to us there if they're not in either of the private groups. And we're also thinking about creating a newsletter, but we want to make sure that people feel safe coming out with us. We are incredibly mindful and hyper aware of how it looks having Black and Brown people out in these spaces. And the dangers of that. We know we yes, don't have the to realities. Yeah, it. it's the reality of it. We have historic examples of what can happen to to black and brown people in these spaces. And we want to make sure that we are adding as much protection, being as mindful as we can in creating a safe but brave space for people to to explore and push their boundaries. Yeah. And when we when we first started going out and hiking, that was at the height of racial tension in our yeah. community just across America. So there was a lot of that going on. And it was, it just did not feel very smart to say, hey, we're going to be mm-hmm. here in the middle of the national park at 9 a.m. Park here, meet us here. We're out when we're out. Um, enjoying nature, we do run into various groups. So you have tons of different groups that go out and enjoy nature. And we we do get those, hey, how are you doing? Like, look, look at that. Yes. And one, at one point we were like, walking in the, 
we were hiking in the, was it the National Park that one time? And it was just a group of brown men that just yeah. came. They just came and we were just looking at each other. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We out here. We out like, here. <laughs> like, yes. <laughs> I love that. I appreciate the amount of like mindfulness you take in the safety. And we're also women. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, the top of being black and brown, and we look like we are femme identifying people. And there is, um, there is a lot of gender-based violence out there. Mm-hmm. And it's, 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 yeah, it's the unfortunate reality of being a target, even though you don't do anything to warrant it. That's not how that works. Yeah, yeah. that's it's a really like good we're point. We're out in this space. When we're out in this space, we're out here. We're double, triple, quadruple minorities, depending on what you are. We're a, like, like Rylan said, it's a targeted group wherever you fall. Women, Black, Brown, non-binary, semi-identifying. You could have multiple, you are made up of multiple minorities and you're not sure how you're going to be targeted. Um, not to say that we're, you go out with this hyper-awareness that you could be a target, but it is there. I don't care what yeah, anyone it's says. It's always in the back of your mind. Right. It yeah. is there. It might not be sitting here, you're, but you're, you are actively trying to suppress it. When you are doing something that is not something that you are normally seen in, like a space, mm-hmm. a place, or engaging with people that you are not normally, you don't see out in the media or in, in print or anything like that. You you are hyper aware of it. I, I know we didn't, we don't have anyone that has ever said anything about us not posting before, but we've had people who are not, who don't fit into any of the categories, like reach out to us and ask how they could be involved. And we have had to tell them this space is created specifically for the connection, the engagement of Black and Brown femme-identifying women. So we're in this space. We want to have that place where we can bond, we can go, we can enjoy, we can connect, we can be intentional about our walk in nature, our adventures in nature. We can talk about the things that we are experiencing in the workplace. When we started this, a lot there was a lot going on as far as like the racial and social economic just injustice everywhere, and especially being women in a various fields. So we could be a nonprofit, we can be a for-profit, we have doctors, PhDs, people in tech that are with us. And we can just talk about how it's like being a Black woman. And if you're having any of those issues where you're dealing with microaggressions or anything like that, we can feel comfortable speaking about that and getting advice or just having a listening ear. If you don't necessarily want advice, you just want to get it off your chest. We have that space. We've built this space and this community of safety in all aspects. And it's basically what goes on here stays here. We want to make sure that you're going out. We're being intentional on whatever activity that we're doing. And that when you leave, you feel better connected to nature and connected with other Black and Brown women. So, yeah, we're very intentional with that. Yeah, to that point, like we we have definitely had some black men who have reached out and been like, hey, (laughs) can I come out with y'all? And they're like, dude, like maybe in the future we could talk about a um, A co-ed. Yeah, like a collab kind of thing. Yeah, we can do a collab. But I've been going around asking a lot of my like black and brown male friends 
to be like, hey, you want to start something here? You want to? Yeah, yeah. Because I know I just found out the gentleman who started Black Men Hike was actually from Akron. Oh, I I don't think he, he doesn't live in Akron anymore, but I'm like, hey, Akron has a history of creating things like this. Can one of y'all create a Black Men Explorer that's locally based and y'all can go out and do some stuff. We can share with you how we develop this. Some things will translate, some things won't, and that's okay. Especially during this time where we're seeing a lot of mental health challenges across the board from our young people to to our older folks and everybody in between the, nature is healing and i think that everyone can benefit from being able to explore in in whatever way they are they are able to and i've definitely been pushing some of our male counterparts to be like hey you should try this you should yeah, go go heal go heal a little bit I will say, I will say, OB, I deal with pretty significant anxiety disorder and being out in nature and becoming a cyclist and really engaging in hiking and kayaking and climbing and strength training, like that helps me for my mental health challenges. And so I know the benefit of being out there in these spaces. That's why I do it among a whole host of other things. But I think that coupled with therapy, because right, right, okay. but coupled with therapy and being out in nature, it, it can be really healing to, to folks, especially our male counterparts. I was going <laughs> to just wanted to emphasize something real quickly about you talking about the community and the connection it's to say there are benefits from nature that happen by just being able to be in this space and that's not really talked about and i love that you actually said it and verbalized it so that's why i just wanted to make sure we like take a moment to express that from a designer standpoint that's something that's missed a lot in the narrative and the conversation in the explaining why we make these choices yeah isn't there isn't there a study done like just being out and existing in nature will lower your stress levels that's someone just wrote a book too that's like how do you stand outside and do nothing and it's going to benefit you it's literally just does it look i'm kimberly young and i approve this message i find myself <laughs> going outside in nature i'm I like to be at home. I like to just sit and do nothing. But like when I really do feel like I have anxiety and stress, I'm like, I need to go outside. Even if it's just go outside, walk to the mailbox and come back in. I need to have that breath of fresh air. It was warmer here. So I was able to open the windows and clear out, let the fresh air come in and clear out the stagnant air. Again, with men, it's even Black people in general, Black and brown people, have said there's a stigma attached to seeking help when you have a mental health challenge or you've identified that you may need to speak with someone. There's that stigma there. I think, especially with social media, has pros and its cons. But one thing that I have seen, especially in the space of social media, is showing that Black men really have mental health challenges and things like that, that they don't really address, but there are ways for them to navigate that space. Black men smile. That's an initiative that's going on. It's like, hey, Black men do smile. Black men out in nature, hiking, and them having that space for each other to come together and connect 
and be able to talk. No different than we do with Black Women Explore. And there was a whole thing on social media where Black men were frolicking. And we did see that. We It was like, really, when you saw that, you're like, wait a second. You couldn't help but have this huge smile on your face because it is not <laughs> something that we see because men are supposed to be tough and this, that, and the yeah. other. But no, frolicking is for everyone. Get out there, skip, play, lay in the All ground. around. Yeah. All around. Like no ticks. Watch out for ticks. Yeah, Roll yeah, around. Watch out for ticks. <laughs> ticks. Not a tick season. Make sure you spray. But that's those are things that we used to do as a kid. And we found so much joy in that. Rolling around in the grass, getting in trouble because you had like grass stains all over your clothes. Those were things that you did because you enjoyed it. And I think that a lot of us are getting back to that where we're letting go of what people told us that we have to be what we should be because we mm-hmm. fit this type of stereotype. We're this person. This is how you're supposed to be as this person. We touch upon a lot of topics in this part of the conversation. So I wanted to step aside and give some context. So if you do a quick Google of the benefits of being outside, you'll probably get a lot of results. But for me, the U.S. Forest Service website came up first. And there is a little article that says the studies have shown that there is a psychological and physical benefit to spending time outdoors. But it doesn't say what studies show that. And to be fair, since there are so many, I thought this was an opportunity for me to share some newer studies that I thought were worth looking at. I'll give you a little summary now, but I'll post the links and everything in the show notes. So out of California State University, San Bernardino, there's a social work dissertation that looked at the impacts of outdoor recreation on self-esteem for adolescent girls who are of color. And spoiler, so far it seems to be a positive impact. Also, the Urban Mobility and Equity Center out of Morgan State University investigated walking and biking activities of low-income African Americans. A lack of proper biking or walking infrastructure leads to a lack of these activities. The International Journal of Mental Health Nursing is calling for more access to something called nature nursing, which is about nature immersion as treatment. And you bet I'm going to do research and try to do an episode on that. And then lastly, the book that I mentioned is called To Stand and Stare, How to Garden While Doing Next to Nothing by Andrew Timothy O'Brien. Okay, so there are thousands of studies and thousands of books that talk about how outdoor spaces are just good for us holistically. So let me know what studies you find interesting and how you feel outdoors recreation impacts you. Okay, now back to Kim. We're taking on building who we want to be. Yeah. We want to be, this is how I want to be. And we're realizing that we can be multiple things. We're multifaceted. We don't have to be in one lane. I love the outdoors. But will you ever catch me camping out in a tent? No. Take me glamping. Yes. (laughs) You're like, I'm going to get Kim to go camping with me at least once. Like a tent? Would you you go, would you go like platform tent, Kim? Like we can, so it's like still a tent. It's got a little structure to it. Yeah. She's like, there's still bugs and holes. Her her face says no, but I feel her energy. Her energy says yes. I think we're going to get there. We can get there. I I think we are going to get there. I am willing to try. I'm willing to try. I'm willing to try. We'll make it look so good, Bronwyn. We'll make it so, we'll make it look so pretty. And you're going to love it. You're going to love it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, lights would be cool. Yeah, see? It's so funny. Like, Kim will convince me to create groups and stuff. But I, (laughs) 
convince her to get dirty. <laughs> ah, nice. And go nice. outside. Balance. <laughs> it's a balance. It's a balance. Yeah, it's a balance. Yeah. yeah. When we go out hiking, do I show up with my concealer on and my lipstick? Yes, I do. Uh huh. <laughs> out there. But exactly. I'm out there. And I don't for everyone. Yes. I, I can, I don't have to come out all natural. We said that one time. It was like, I carry deodorant, everything in my bag. I could be au natural, but I don't have to be au natural in nature. I'm going to make sure I smell good. <laughs> I am out there doing it. It's the fact that I'm out there doing it. So I can be multifaceted. That speaks to like the difference between me and Kim, but what we both bring to this group. Because although me and Kim, we have some weird quirky Black women, but <laughs> very quirky <laughs> with anxiety issues and introverts. But I think we do show up differently. Like I've been in the outdoor rec space for well over a decade and Kim is more new to it. So I, for the group, like I do a lot of the kind of technical, like this is where, this is the trails we're going to go on. Like I had the safety pack with all of the band-aids and the gauzes and all of that in the beginning. You have one now? But like, but at the beginning. But in his camouflage and everything. Look, Bronlin comes in with the technical and the like logistical skills, but Kim comes with the personality. And that way it brings, so you have this ability to capture everyone who's coming, right? So you can make people feel comfortable because you have people who need the face, who need the smiles, and you need people who are like, no, needs to know that someone knows where they're going. Someone who needs to know mm-hmm. what's happening. And I love that comes together for this group. Yeah. Yeah, Bronlin, Bronlin sometimes knows where she's going. Sometimes she wow. fakes it. Wow. Like, okay, so which way we going? And then she, okay. one time I took us a quarter of the way down the wrong trail, but I figured out where we were going and I turned around. It's all about exploring an adventure. So as long as we get everyone back safe, that is all Man, Kim just totally took shots and then (laughs) polished it though. You polished it off and moved moved it along and we stayed on topic. Next question that's why we're friends that's why we're friends we do that we do that to each other i really thought that we were being nice Mm -hmm. and this is why we're best friends i will say we were not as circling back to kim's point we were not as close before we started hiking together like we knew each other like we were both in the akron community doing volunteer work i worked for a local nonprofit foundation and she she was engaged in a lot of nonprofit work and we circled each other. We we said hi, the black head nod and everything. Mm-hmm. But we weren't close. And it wasn't until we started going out hiking together. And then there was a point in time where we saw each other three, four days out of the week. And we talk every day now. <laughs> I could, I could, everyone's like, where's Bromlin? Or they'll see Bromlin, where's Kim? We are not always together. Yeah. <laughs> like, we were attached to the hip for a while. It just, it, in nature was that piece that really bonded us together. And that and going to Hop House. Yeah. 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 There are many it's, it's foundations all, to a friendship. Many pieces to a foundation of friendship. Alcohol originated in nature as well. So it's part of nature. It's brains. Yeah, I think the only, the last thing would be the future goals of the group, but I also think maybe that could start with like how your group runs now. Yeah, currently, I think I mentioned earlier, we have about 
140 plus people in our private Facebook group. And we started off with seven people showing up to the first hike on May 15th, 2021. Mm -hmm. And it has grown from there. And we host about a month's worth of activities on our various private groups. And some people come out, we get a range of people. Like sometimes it's just me and Kim out there, or it's upwards of 15 folk that decided wow. to come out. The winter is not as popular as the spring. <laughs> Go figure. Go figure. But I have gotten some people out there in mm-hmm. the dead of winter because I will hike year round. And so I've gotten some people out there in the snow and now they're winter hikers. And I must mm-hmm. say that is, that makes my heart sing when I see people out there doing that. But uh, yeah, so we, we do hiking, kayaking, yoga this year. I think we're going to do some more, we're going to do some biking. There have been a few people who are really interested in climbing because mm-hmm. I do, I boulder. We have a local bouldering gym. And so maybe getting some folks, although it's indoors, get some folks out there out there bouldering which would be pretty cool very cool but yeah we we definitely have some good stuff coming up and then I will pitch it to Kim to talk about future goals but I do know our future goals are a little different (laughs) (laughs) Bronlin and I are very similar but very different Bronlin was talking about the technical her being the technical person I am the person who thinks I like to think long term about what we're doing. Bralyn, she loves where we are right now. But when I pitched it to her, I was like, and I would like to see at some point, maybe we like bring in younger girls. Just the figure, we want to have younger girls understand that there is a connection with this outdoor space sooner rather than later. Here we are, people that are in our 20s, 30s, 40s, and upwards, just now developing this connection with nature. With anything, you want to start as young as you can. It could either be with us bringing in younger girls, teens, into the fold of Black Women Explore. We do have some members who bring their younger daughters with them on hikes. We want to make sure that the hikes are accessible to everyone. So if it's easy, moderate, or difficult, if it's stroller-friendly, if it's kid-friendly, we'll post that because we want people to feel like they can come. We don't want to exclude anyone because they have kids. You can bring your kids with you if you feel safe. But I want to see us really get younger people involved a little bit earlier. I want to look, I want to see us take over the world. Look, (laughs) I want to take over the outdoor space. So we want to make sure that we are represented in this space. I just wanted to like my, my only hesitation about bringing in some of the younger folks is, and we do have a space where we do have times when people bring in, bring their children with us. My only hesitation is with this particular space, I think that a lot of folks are dealing, they're in transitions, they're talking about work, they're trying to get advice, they're, you know, and I think that when you bring in children, it's a different sort of dynamic. When you're, like, attention is different, it is much more educational focus, I think. And there are groups in our area, and I want to be careful not to overreach, although there is more than enough room for everyone. There are some Mm -hmm. groups in our area, I think of See You at the Top, 
which mm-hmm. I know works in the Cleveland area that work with children. So I just want to be mindful if we're oh, like that there are existing spaces that yeah. can right. accommodate. Yeah. Right. And how do we right. partner with them? Right. But I, so but yeah, I do want to, I will say, I do want to get into the more educational space. Like I do mm-hmm. want to, we did a video, Kim convinced me as she often does to do things that, that make me a little more uncomfortable. I will climb mountains. I will jump off things, but. Just put your face on camera. Yeah, putting my face on camera. <laughs> She might even throw her, she might I'm, even throw herself down a mountain. So she's yeah, gonna throw myself down a mountain. And I will do all of that, but putting myself in front of a camera for our group makes me a little bit more uncomfortable, which is why I'm always the one taking the photos and I'm rarely in any of the photos other than the kind of group shot, the selfie shot. But she convinced me to do a video, do a reel on Instagram showing people how to dress for winter hiking and it ended up being ridiculously popular for some reason it was super dorky I will say my real skills my video skills have increased exponentially since then and I'm doing a lot more reels for the group which do not there's so many ways you can do it without putting your face on Here's the thing. When I mentioned reels before, and I like posted some reels and I'm like, Ronald, we have to do reels. So I was like trying to record stuff. And she was like, reels. It's always, eh. Rylan has her lane in her space and where she's comfortable, but I'm glad to see that she's going out there and she's posting those reels and, you know. Because the reels are how I going. found you. Yeah. Instagram pushes reels. So one time we went hiking and it was the first reel that we posted. We went hiking and we couldn't go because it was raining. I just sat in my car and I recorded the rain and I put SWV rain down on me. And it was just like, just a pan. And I'm like, okay, what happens when you try to go for a hike? And it's like rainy. It was torrential rain. We went hiking in the, we went hiking in the snow one time. And we had to slide, the stairs were covered in snow. So we had to slide down. And Bronwyn was recording us sliding down. And what did I do? I took that and I made it into a reel and I added like the music slide (laughs) because I want people to see us having fun. Like Bronwyn said, it's not necessarily us doing it, it's collaborating because I'm very heavy on collaborating. We don't want to recreate the Mm -hmm. wheel, but we want to have that collaborative atmosphere where, like Bronwyn said, if men want to start up something, we can tell you. This is the foundation. This is how we got it started. Very organic, no pressure. This is how it, this is how it worked for us. And then they can adapt it. And then from collaborating with maybe like the parks or things like that, just to have people come out and connect. Black Women Explore is, it's not an organization. It's a community. With communities, we want to build those communities and we want to make sure those communities can be self-sustaining and support themselves. That's why we com- yeah. we promote within our Facebook group, people getting together and organically going out and enjoying nature together. It doesn't have to be anything that we necessarily organize. We organize the things to just to make sure that people are remaining connected, but we want people to organically connect and go out and enjoy and explore. As far as growth, we want to see us fostering the community other places. If it means partnering with an organization that has girls in it that are going out and running or enjoying nature in that 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 way, shape, or form, we can do that just to show them that we are here. There are people who look like mm-hmm. you, someone that you can look up to that is doing something that you may not necessarily see yourself represented in within the media or society. Yeah. 
And at present, this is a very organic group. Like we're doing this on the side. Kim and I both have full-time day jobs and 20 billion other projects. That we <laughs> <laughs> well, so this is just like one piece of our work. But I think that we talk about how Kim and I are different, but very similar. I think community has always been the core of who we are and our work and our love of community connecting people and healing together is what drives us. And so I, yeah, I just, it is very organic. I know Kim, Kim, secretly Kim wants to formalize it a little bit more, which she hasn't mentioned. I do. It's just from the, just from the perspective of with anything that you develop, you want to make sure that you have the appropriate, I work in compliance. So I want to make sure we have the appropriate things in place to secure the community that we build. It is, it's not, it's, I would say that it's not unique, but it is. This is something that was birthed out of our own personal responses to COVID and the, the environment. And you just want to make sure that you have, you have your baby secure, you have your baby secure and Black Women Explore is very near and dear to both of our hearts. And I'm just so glad that awareness is being brought to that we exist and we are here and we are going to enjoy every aspect of outdoor recreation, even with the bugs. <laughs> We're gonna enjoy like in the and how yeah, in all the ways every, it can be enjoyed. Yes, every aspect of it. So that's I love where how I'm like look to the side as you <laughs> about the bugs. No. Because I was looking, I have, I actually have nature outside of my window. Uh-huh. So I was like, oh, the bugs. <laughs> I'm in, even though Black Women Explore started in Akron, I moved to North Carolina six oh. months ago. Yeah. So North Carolina does have more bugs. <laughs> as far as growth from that, I would like to see Black Women Explore have a presence in Charlotte. We do have a presence here because I'm here. But just be, being able to bring the community here. So being in Charlotte, there are more, there's more Black people in Charlotte than in Akron, Ohio. So there are groups, similar groups to Black Women Explored that exist. So when it comes to that collaborative partnership nature, that is something that I would like to bring to the space. So being new to Charlotte, I don't want to jump out here and just, hey, Black Women in Charlotte, come to Black Women Explore. I wanted to make sure that I'm taking time to research what is available in the area and see if there is a space for a Black women explore. I never, even though I said we want to take over the world, it's not, I'm saying we in the general form of Black and Brown women and femme identifying people. I want to make sure that we are visible. Like I said in the beginning, I like to advocate for people, places, and spaces. Have us out there and have us represented. To me, diversity, equity, inclusion is more than a checkbox. It is an action. That's beautiful. Thank you so much. Both of you have made this such a like effortless, joyful conversation and learning so much and everything you said has resonated. And it's something that I even noticed. I have these conversations with my friends, but I did not hear this in my whole educational experience. I'm not hearing this on a public platform like this. And it's so important. And what you said about the DEI being like an action absolutely agree it is not yeah it's not just like a series of check marks and goals of like how can we be more Mm -hmm. it's making that community and making that trust like building that trust and relationships and I think we've done a big part of that today 
and sharing some time together. So thank you. This is so fun. Kim, come back to Northeast Ohio sometime soon so then we can all (laughs) together. I will be back. So I will be back (laughs) in Ohio to celebrate two years of Black Women Explore. It's amazing that we're already at two years. The time has flown by and just the impact that we're having is just, never thought that it would happen. Never thought that anyone would be able to continue to go out with Bronlin and I and our antics. (laughs) (laughs) There's always some sort of antics. Uh, But also like people have been finding us. Like we've done articles for reimagining the civic commons national website we just did a presentation with our local delta sigma theta sorority. delta sigma theta sorority incorporated i'm a member of delta sigma theta so bronlin represented for black women explore <laughs> right yeah. <laughs> really cool but please come out to our two year i would love that also you saw you talked about people reaching out to you how can people reach out to you how would you like to be contacted So we monitor all of our social media for Instagram. It's at Black Women Explore. Facebook, we have a Black Women Explore Facebook page, like public Facebook page, which was something we didn't initially have. So we can be accessed there. You can email, what is it? Black Women Explore at gmail.com. So yeah, you can find us on social media. If you find us on Facebook or Instagram, you can send us a message. If you fit the criteria for Black Women Explore and you would like to be put into one of the private groups on either of those platforms, just reach out and say, hey, I'm very interested in attending the next adventure and we'll go ahead and get you inserted into one of those groups. And then with the, like Rowland said, with the newsletter for those who do not have social media, just send us an email, blackwomenexplore at gmail.com. We'll make sure that you'll be the first to know about the sign up. Website is still pending. Domain purchase, but <laughs> well, we'll, get there. we'll get there. Like managing we'll a there. website between the two, like managing a website, that's a whole nother. That's a yeah. whole nother beast. Thank you so much to Kim and Bronlin. Since this interview, I've had the honor to join Black Women Explore on a hike, and it was a blast. The group had a good mix of experienced hikers and newcomers. And it was great because we got to share advice and tips. Also, conversation just flowed very naturally because when you're outside together, there's just plenty of opportunity to make a comment. Like, you know, if a hill is really steep, someone can be like, oh, this this, <laughs> this is exhausting. And, you know, you can comment on the last time you went on a really exhausting hike or someone says this view is really beautiful. Let's get a picture together. It was a really great opportunity to bond. And even though the hike itself was wonderful and I saw some really cool things, what stuck with me the most is that I got to connect with these women for just an hour or so. And it was great. My solo hikes have been better because somehow I feel less alone. I think the idea of knowing that there are other people just like me and who look like me who are in these spaces and are having similar experiences is really cool. And I look forward to the next one. So thank you so much for listening in. It means a lot because as a content creator and writer and podcaster of color, I'm also a mother, I'm neurodivergent and finding our place in history is hard. So right now by listening, you're helping 
minority voices solidify their place on the historical record so that when people look back and see what designers or writers were thinking of this time, they'll have more perspectives to choose from and to identify with. And I just think that is super neat. If you learned something new today, that's awesome. Let me know what you learned. Uh, you can send me a message on Instagram at the landscape nerd, or you can send me an email, the landscape nerd at gmail.com. I also have a website where you can find the show notes and resources and a little bit more information about me and the show. But until next time, you know, have fun nerding out and I'll talk to you soon. Goodbye. What?